1: The Custard TV Podcast. Talk about the best and the worst on the box.
2: Hello lovely people of internet land. This is Luke, editor of thecustardtv.com. Joined as
1: always by my, I would say loyal servant, but loyal podcastee. <laughs> you, you were going to say friend there. and No, of, that, pointy of pointy all
2: the untrue. words
1: that ran across my mind... Friend was way at the bottom of the list. Internet acquaintance, and I—I yes. uh, I am that privileged person. My name is Gary, uh, and I are here courtesy of Vulturehound.com. I am their TV editor. Uh, nerd.
2: Right, so um, <laughs> a little bit of a twist on the old podcasty business today. Uh, we've decided we haven't spoken enough about comedy, um, so what we've done is we've we've put together our top five comedies of all time, and uh-huh. we're going to run through them. Don't pretend like you don't know this.
1: Uh, oh, we're going to run. We're going to. i was just inter- interacting with the viewers. They've not. They can't see us. Oh God, can oh, they see us? Stop my webcam's on for nothing. Oh, for God's sake! You don't know not. that the guy. Could be listening, and I've got my wind, my curtains open.
2: Sure, I should really put something other than my Mickey Mouse pants on, though, shouldn't I? Uh, if that is the case. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 Once in a while, as well, you know.
2: Terrifying! That- terrifying that my brain came up with that, and it's completely fictional. Oh.
1: <laughs> what okay, Mickey Mouse? So- oh, he's real, is he?
2: I don't know. That- that's I- not. Go into places we can't... Comedy. Do. Comedy. Yeah. Comedy. Comedy. Yeah, let's Com- try some let's comedy. Uh, what comedy. we've done is we've, we've put together our top five. My five and Gary's five. Uh, and we just talk about why we like them. No rules on this. They can be British, American. I know Gary's a big fan of Arabic comedy, which we'll get to a bit later on. <laughs> Don't give away my top two. <laughs> I know. I know. I, w- I want to make a camel joke, but I won't. Okay, so uh, this is what we're going to do. Now, okay. earlier on in the week, we did, and this is an exclusive to people listening to this podcast, earlier on in the week, Gary yes. and I tossed a coin.
1: Earlier in the week, you said, coined a to toss. I don't know why no, that I oh, said did... I said, cost a coin a earlier That's in the it. week.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but either way, yes, uh, and it was a British tenpence piece, piece uh, rescued from my... There you are, big Disney theme in this episode. Uh, the, uh, money box, and because the rest of the money was taken to Sainsbury's to put in their 1P, 2P thing, uh, which paid for the coffees at the weekend. Thank you very much, Sainsbury's.
2: That uh, said coin toss allowed us to tell who was going to get their uh, comedies in first and who would go first and second. Then I can now exclusively reveal that we will be looking at Gary's top five first. But before we do... Woo-hoo he has gone above and beyond because he's
1: done a top 10 well the thing is um i think as you probably as you probably quite rightly said um you could do 15 20 if you really wanted to you know everyone has their favorite comedies so what i've got is the next five as it were and there's no particular order
2: Technically, five that are good, just not good yeah, enough to make it into, that's your, right. into your top And those five, five, are,
1: in, and, and these are in no particular order, so uh, don't read too much of these. I've got Monty Python's Flying Circus, yeah. uh, Friends, The Big yeah. Bang Theory, and yeah. Seinfeld. So a good mix of British and American, and um, a good mix of ridiculous and more straightforward. Seinfeld is probably the one that I ummed and about the most, whether it should be in the top five. I do I'm going to shock theory. you.
2: Uh, yeah. A couple of weeks ago on the podcast, you revealed uh, to the listeners that you'd never seen the ITV crime series Cracker, which I uh, love and would like to have their children. Uh, but I'm I, scared
1: about what you're about to say. i holding that, on. To I've seen
2: desk. Seinfeld, and no, I will admit yeah. now, in my Mickey Mouse pants, that I don't quite understand. I don't get Seinfeld. I don't get why it's. I get why it's funny. I can appreciate that, but I don't get why it's. Okay. This big thing
1: I, that people go on and let, on about. Let's have this conversation very briefly and very quickly. It's a clever comedy, and you're not clever enough. It's <laughs> it, it's, so, it's a comedy Gary's about <laughs> nothing. It's a it's a comedy about nothing, and the problem is, if you're not, if you're someone who can just deal with everyday life issue issues being made into a program, then you can get Seinfeld. If you need a reason to laugh, if you need an act. If you need something to happen, then I don't think you're going to like Seinfeld, and I think it's perfectly fine. I quite a few people. So there you are. It's divided us, doesn't it? How Uh, is it looked?
2: I'll turn the mic on. That way, you'll be able to hear me as well. Um, (laughs) How is it? How is it looked at in the UK, Seinfeld?
1: I think it's quite highly regarded. I think the box sets have done really well. Um, I own all nine. And, but I, I think the other problem with Seinfeld is, is, that, is that perhaps it doesn't translate too well to a British audience because it has a lot of American in-jokes. It's a yeah. lot, it's about American way of life. So you don't really, you know, you no one really understands, you know, the relationship between, you know, New Yorkers and the New York Yankees or delis or, you know, all the different street elements that go into it. So it doesn't translate great, but those who like it, love it. It has a bunch of loyal fans.
2: So if Sorenfeld didn't make it, say Sorenfeld was number six
1: for the sake of argument, what would be your number five? Well, my number five was a UK comedy that did actually get remade in America. It's Coupling, uh, that was written by Stephen Moffat, he of Sherlock and Doctor Who. Uh, It stars a couple of people who've gone on to do other things. Jack Davenport, who went on to appear in a lot of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. It also stars Sarah Alexandra. Gina Bellman who went on to do Leverage in America and the best character that was in it was Richard Coyle who uh, played a character called Jeff who was that lovable um, uh, friend uh, that everybody has you know the guy that's done everything will say anything as you know uh, kind of made a fool of himself Jeff makes some wonderful comments in this sitcom lots of comparisons to friends I think unfairly so in some cases.
2: I think it because was down to be you... compared to Friends, wasn't it? Just because yeah. it's, a, it's a girl-boy relationship comedy, they're all yeah, friends, they talk there are three they boys and three girls.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's three blokes, three women, and they talk a lot, and the blokes get together and the women get together, and sometimes they have relationships with each other, and they're on they're off. So it's a, probably a bit more adult than uh, In a way, than... it's
2: a more mature, if it has to be compared yeah. to Friends, it's a more mature version of Friends.
1: It, it is a British Friends as well in that sense, it's not a remake it is no. if if somebody was to remake friends it probably would fail in the uk but if then you know coupling had a chance in america i think um it's just a shame it didn't make it four series uh, ranging from the year 2000 to 2004 it did dip in the fourth series mostly because jeff uh, richard calls character left and um you know he really was the the driving force behind it they did try and introduce another character but it didn't work and the ratings slumped um one thing that I would say uh, is a, a lot of people I know I know we've spoken about this before Luke, that it didn't relate with the female characters as much that the men were always easy to get on with but yeah, found it's... the female characters a bit annoying.
2: I suppose we should have to be fair we should have a female coupling fan on here to go no you're talking well, maybe, yes. rubbish. Do you know but, any? No, I, I don't know any girls. But the thing uh, <laughs> but that's the, thing is, is, yeah, oh. the thing is yeah. The thing is <laughs> I wish that weren't true. Uh, The thing is that uh, coupling, I don't think it it gets the uh, recognition it deserves because there there are some genuinely laugh-out-loud funny moments throughout the series. And I'm not sure if it was axed or whether it just finished in series four, but it did do very well in the States on a cable channel called BBC America, and it did do very well there. It found an audience there. But in the States, when it moved to NBC, it, the only original cast member to move with it was Sarah Alexander. Uh, they did copy the initial pilot script to the letter, but for some reason it just didn't catch on. I've
1: never seen the uh, the BBC... I might actually check that out. I've never seen the American version. I know you was, can catch I know,
2: it on YouTube, I'm
0: sure.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll go and download that as soon as I physically can. Yeah. Or, well, um, not during this session.
2: I think that's a good choice. Um, Would coupling have worked... Without a laugh
1: track. Yes, I think, I think it was smart enough to work with that, but I think the laugh track's fairly inoffensive. I don't think mm. you notice it too much. So I think, I think there's very much a case of uh, it, it complements rather than overtakes the, the piece. Um, I mean, there were some great moments as well. You talk about Jeff moments. I mean, there's, there's the moment where he introduces the giggle loop uh, during one of the characters' uh, aunt's funeral, where, you know, you can't help but laugh at a ridiculous situation. Uh, there's also the time when he uh, defends... Tries to chat up a girl on a train and in order to make him like her, gets to the ridiculous lie and ends up lying so much that he gets to the point where he says, I've got a wooden leg! Yes. And then, of course, has to kind of reveal that it got better because there's eventually also a, she agrees to, to see him. She agrees to see him undressed, shall we say this is a, a family there's also a
2: scene um, I remember where he uh, he thinks he's going to meet a girl and he's very excited about it He's in his office, he strips yeah. down and then it reveals that everybody's there for him with a with a surprise party but I but, then, but then,
1: if you remember rightly, she does end up so she sends everyone out the room, has a car him, and then kisses him because she yeah. did like him anyway.
2: And the, uh, what I liked also about Coupling is it, uh, it it was obviously a studio-based sitcom. There was an audience there, but it it took a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of yeah. outside, outdoor scenes. It relied quite a lot on the guys telling a story, which we'd then see bit by bit. It, it was very well done. I don't think it gets enough credit, actually. Yeah. Tucked away on BBC2 uh, BBC as it was in the early noughties. So, number five for Gary, Coupling. On to my number five, which is a show I discovered... Uh, in 2010, uh, mm-hmm. called
1: um, called Porridge. Ah! Uh, have you top- heard that? In my top ten, but not in my top five.
2: The reason it was in my top five is because I think it's one of the few comedies from that era that still stands the test of time. You could watch it now, tonight, and find it funny, and find it relevant, and... Absolutely. Uh, it wouldn't feel too much like you're watching something from the 1970s. Sad part is, of course, a lot of the cast members are no longer with us, so that would be the one thing you'd notice. Very few,
1: I would have said. I would say probably what David Jason may well be the last David living Jason member, and
2: and the man who played the sort of prison top guy. Oh
1: yes, and of course, if you know, if anything, the youngest guy in the cast died first. As with dad's army ironically yes
2: but it, it, it's just very very funny and the clever thing about it is the fact that you never leave or you very rarely leave i should prefix that by saying you very very rarely leave the uh the cells or the prison environment and yet the plots yeah. and the characters are
1: engaging enough that you never think oh we're not back in the cell it, again and we're not it's a total single almost a single scene comedy at some points in fact i believe there is one where they get locked down and it's just Ronnie Barker and Richard, uh, the other guy, in in their in their cell, isn't it? I believe for the whole episode.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a very clever cleverly uh, cleverly done because what they what they focus on and what they celebrate in porridge mm. is their little victories, the things that you can just yeah. about get away with in prison without getting into deep deep trouble. It makes for very good very
1: good television it, it, it shows you what a genius ronnie barker is and, and when you when you sit down and look at it and you, obviously you've got open all hours as well uh along with again david jason and and you look at the, the comedy duo of the two ronnies and if you've ever seen the the awful mess that was sorry by ronnie corbett you realize that ronnie barker may not have been the comedy performer with the timing that perhaps ronnie corbett has but he was the better writer and and the better technician i would say definitely
2: so um If you haven't seen Porridge, if you think, look, it's really old-fashioned, it was made in the 70s, give it a go. You're going to find it surprisingly engaging. I, I
1: would say as well, I mean, something we've been championing and bigging up, I use the word bigging up, good grief, how old do I feel? Uh, on our podcast is uh, the new uh, channel BBC3 comedy called Dead Boss which pays more than a tip of the hat to porridge. It's a, a female uh, a prison piece written by Sharon Horgan that we've talked about and I think, as you said, they've more than she more than openly has, has yeah, tipped they're, the hat they're to unashamedly in the, in the creation. The, yeah, they're yeah.
2: unashamed at the fact that they, they take some and she read a lot of what the writers of porridge had said about mm. the, the atmosphere and there's how to write the sitcom at, at the time and you get there yeah. are elements in there that you can uh you can pick from elephants
1: there are elef- you haven't seen the latest <laughs> one have you No, i haven't seen that. it's brilliant i'm looking forward to that i'm still it's waiting funny. for keith harris and orville so you <laughs> promised them though so they better <laughs> okay. appear soon um, um yeah, so no, that's I my number ther- five. i would thoroughly recommend porridge as i say is in my top 10 but not my top five uh, and again, I, I don't think it's dated, and yet it was, what, early 70s, late 70s? It, might, it hasn't it's dated at all.
2: it, it hasn't yeah. dated. I
1: think a lot of that is down to the
2: fact that they're not in, you know, 70s dresses, and they're not yeah. in 70s they're in prison clothing. uniform, so I they're suppose, yeah. in prison yeah, yeah, but... uniform, and so you can't really tell that it's the 1970s. You're not really looking at the furniture going, God, that sofa's hideous. Yeah. Uh, just, It's a very basic set. Uh, and so it doesn't really show its age. There's some racism in there to a point. Yeah, more uh, a which...
1: more more an indication of the time period yeah. rather than the That's writers probably. That's probably the only was... thing that you you wouldn't see now that you you would have then. Yeah. but what was acceptable but... then is not as acceptable now, kind of thing. Yeah. Shall we move on to my number four? Yes, if
2: you're desperate.
1: If I would say, to you, if I was to say to you, Luke, the phrase six seasons in a movie," would that give you any clue about the comedy I'm about to talk about?
2: Well, because we've discussed this before, I'd know instantly. Oh. Yes.
1: Oh, That's <laughs> but yeah, I'll let you reveal it. I'll let you <laughs> reveal it. Surprise! It's Community, another American comedy from me, uh, and the reason for this one um, was uh, it's just fresh and new and. Uh, Community is more of a cult TV show than anything. It's based around community college, which isn't something you get too much of in the UK. So it's kind of like, think of summer school or think of an old polytechnic full of people who couldn't get into proper college. Or in this case, uh, Jeff Winger, who's a lawyer, who's realized that his qualification was defunct and can't practice law anymore. So he has to go to college to make up his credits it's kind of a little bit clichéd in the sense that it has the pretty girl it has the the socially awkward person the high school dropout the old man the little bit little bit flirty old man and the gay Um, principle so it it kind of brings it together but it works it's very self-referential it's currently being shown on nbc in america and you can get it in the uk either on box set via ebay or i believe there are some region 2d releases coming out and it's also on a television network called sony tv which i think you can only get if you've got certain packages of sky or virgin media
2: it's also always on the verge of cancellation. As well. Yeah, this is this
1: is the reason that the the catchphrase six seasons and a movie" is used a lot on Twitter because fans of the show are very dedicated. It's it's a reasonably small bunch that are very loyal, and they've demanded that you know Community goes six seasons and ends with a movie because they believe that it's such quality. There is a bit of controversy. Uh, the creator Dan Harmon will no longer be writing or working for the show in his full capacity. Uh, after what has just aired its third season in America, which has been controversial. Um, But um, many feel that the show will last on without him. Others feel that it's the end of the show. So we will very much have to see. Season four is going to be a short series, only 13 episodes, which is unusual for America. And that'll be out in September.
2: It does fascinate me that the fact that you've had top five of all time and this made the list. Not only did it make the list, but it it made number four.
1: Yeah, but what happened was, is that when, and I based, you know, based a lot of what I did on my top five, about what TV series, what comedies do I own, what comedies have I bought, have I watched a lot of, I bought Community based on a recommendation, I watched series one in three days, when series two was available, that was another couple of days, when series three comes out on DVD, it will be watched, and it will be watched very quickly,
0: it's, it's, it's very... Here in Key West, we were out before it was in...
1: It's like a good box of chocolates. It's very Moorish. You can't put it down. So you're saying that community is the comedy equivalent of Pringles? Yes. That's what you're saying. Texas Barbecue, but not uh, Prawn Cocktail. There
2: you Prawn Cocktail Pringles
1: yeah they do and they're horrible they're not at all like prawn cocktail sound calls. very nice okay, okay well that's not this i mean we didn't i mean we should leave the crisp podcast that's, for another that's day. For the crisp podcast <laughs> yeah we've we that material your top 5 crisps do you know what do you know what worries <laughs> me is that might get more listeners and downloads than this if you'd like to do a top 5 crisp podcast we'll be happy to submit our list to you where will what sits lie we have no you know, idea um, at this stage frazzles um... <laughs> just naming just naming crisps now Therefore, I've done my number four. What is your numero cuatro for our Spanish listeners?
2: Just for future reference,
1: can you not say
2: I've done my number and then add the number after everyone? It'll be all right for number three. Yeah, but not for the one that follows. Okay, uh, number four is um, it's just one I remember growing up on. It's one I remember. Enjoying, and it. it's one again that I feel still feels relevant. if you watch it today. You'll still enjoy it. It's a sci-fi element to it as well, which Ooh. to a lot of the scripts, which I am not a big sci-fi fan, as we've discussed before. But there's quite a lot of strange goings on and aliens involved in parts of it. It's actually one foot in the grave that I'm talking about. Um, the reason but there I were think, aliens in one foot in the grave. There were a couple of alien references where you, when you believe that. People have been taken by aliens or uh, alien activity or strange well, goings-on that no one can explain. I'm about to use the catchphrase. I do believe it! It's absolutely true. I wanted to bring this up because I know you've said you felt like it was another BBC One safe soft comedy.
1: Uh, yeah, in the I kind of put this in the same, com- com- the same kind of basket as um, Keeping Up Appearances. No, you, you need know, to remove it the- from that basket. No, I know. Maybe I need to go and rewatch this again. Although I do think, I mean, I, I'm familiar with the work and I'm more than just the cat's phrase. You know, I know Angus Deaton was in it. Um, so, you know, I, uh, but I never realised it got so intense with Aliens. God, yeah, I'll and it was help.
2: David Renwick who went on, of course, to write another one of my favourite series called Jonathan Quick. Ah, we did a lot of
1: supernatural I, stuff in that. So yeah,
2: that makes exactly. Sense. So it's the sort of same vein. But the thing yeah. is, what you think of when you think of One Foot in the Grave is the fact that it's about this miserable retiree, uh, Victor yes. Maldry, who is replaced by a computer at his job, uh, forced into retirement and is just sort of trying to find his place now in the world, in a world that he finds very boring and very infuriating. Uh, and you realise quite, quite soon that actually he isn't a miserable git. It's all the people around him making yeah. his life a living hell.
1: Again, this was another series that I believe was remade in the States, but changed. It wasn't, was it called Cosby or something? It was or, called
2: Cosby, is it? Yeah, and it Cosby? was
1: just him being, hi, I'm, I can't, I won't do the accent because it will get the losers yeah. listeners. But, um, you know, hi, I'm Bill Cosby and I'm grumpy about this today. And it yes, wasn't anything exactly. like One Foot in the Grave.
2: Not, not all. In fact, David Runwick no. has spoken about how upset he was that yeah. he took the idea and, and the oh, only thing oh, made oh. they took from it was the fact that he wore a green cap.
1: Yeah, um, that was it and he lost his job in the first episode.
2: But Victor Meldrew is is a very interesting character for me now, because I find as I'm getting older, and I can see it in my parents as well, that as they're getting older, things frustrate them, and and quite rightly so in in most circumstances. And it's about that, it's about the frustration of the world, and the lack of logic, and the... just the way that people are treated when they reach Mm. a certain age. It is not a daft comedy,
1: no, it it's not a farce like I thought no. it was. It's not. It's not like uh, one foot in the grave, or sorry, not like um, uh, keeping, up, keeping up appearances, or a lower lower, anything like that. No, it's that's not what I that dismissed mind. it as. No, that's what I thought it was. Anyway, the one thing I would say is that it also one of the only comedies that features in another comedy, because of course Richard Wilson as himself appeared in Father Ted. Yes, uh, in a very famous episode that also had um, the uh, the Irish comedian who presents the program Graham Norton in it. Yes. It was the same episode, wasn't it? I don't it? know what now. his name is. No, Graham Norton.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing is, though, also, it's, it's one of those comedies that's typically British in a way that yeah. it's very dark. There are very dark yeah. elements of it. People
1: die. It, People. Well, at the end, there was the very famous, you know, did he or didn't he die on the curb? You know, was he hit by the car? It was a very strange, a very non-comedic way to end a comedy.
2: And, the, and then they also show you who... Ran, who caused his death and, and yeah. who that was and how? So it's very dark, and I don't think you could get away from from that. You know, much like uh, David's next script, which was Jonathan Creek. You never quite knew where it was going. It was no. always zany, but not in a silly way, and it always tied up quite nicely and made he sense. He wanted in the you end. to
1: be guessing, so obviously that's what he he set out to do. Well, that's very yeah. good. So there, that was your number four, I believe. Yes, I'm. You can see me moving this piece along. <laughs> Yes.
2: Let's look through it, actually. Let's look through it. Gary's number five was Coupling, then he had uh, NBC's Community at four, and I went for Porridge for number five, and uh, the 90s sitcom One Foot in the Grave for number four, which moves us on to Gary's number three.
1: Well, my number three, it was highly debated in my head as to where it should be, but this was a definite top five. This was the, Did all the voices comedy. get a say? All the voices, both <laughs> of them got a say, the, the good and the bad, Gary. Uh, Drop the Dead Donkey. Now, uh, out of all the pieces that we've chosen, this is probably the only one that had that more satirical political side of it, which I, I loved as much as I loved the comedy. To base it, it's a, a sort of mid uh, early to late 90s uh, piece as political satire about a TV news company. And the premise of each week's show is there's a sitcom running behind it about the running of this television network and news programme, but behind it is the fact that they, they slipped in a lot of current news events and stories. So the shows were written with big gaps uh, for news stories, and then the last rewrites were recorded the day before, so the programme aired pretty much the day after it was shot, and then at the the end credits two of the two of the of the of the of the cast would read a little soliloquy based on a news event that may have even happened that day um and it It was a comedy within a comedy yeah so there was there was comedic elements a lot of the reason that uh, i think it did so well it was because of that i think people not necessarily saw its comedy as quite a big thing although it was a good well-written farce at times you know there were a number of characters who were larger than life uh, the, the the character of Gus Hedges who used to come out with uh, let's pop into my office and stick some toast in and see what pops up brown uh, you know you had you know, these kind of management speak talks then you had uh, Stephen Tomkinson's Karen Damian Day who was a, a a very kind of like on the edge street reporter who would often get his poor old cameraman into trouble but equally these kind of like, because they to have all these political elements, you know, there were lots of jokes about you know, Iraq, and the Tory party who were in power, lots of Maggie Thatcher jokes, it went on to parody this and, uh, was John a major four quite a lot as well, wasn't it? it was four. on Channel 4, yeah, and it was, it was, it was groundbreaking, and I, I think it's a shame that there isn't more of this now, because I think with the invent of Twitter, and the invent of things like Have I Got News For You and Mock The Week and Ten Cats people get their satirical comedy there, rather than through a sitcom um, I think there's
2: room for something like it, though. Definitely. I mean,
1: I think I th- you mentioned when I spoke to you about this before. You mentioned uh, whether the um, the thick of it did it, but I think the thick of it was never current. It was always based on you know the no, Labour government. And you you are more than aware that that is fictional.
2: Yeah, it's a take Whereas- on
1: whereas Drop the Dead Donkey had more than an element of reality to it at times, you know, when it was talking about some things. I mean, obviously, you know, it was all done with tongue-in-cheek. The writers Andy Hamilton and Guy Jenkin are now obviously much better known for doing Outnumbered on BBC One, much more successful um, and middle-of-the-road, but equally still quite good, I'm told. You've not seen Outnumbered? Uh, I've seen a few, but it never really appealed to me. Wrong lucky... time of day. It was on at 5 o'clock or something, wasn't it, on a Saturday? it was bad Oh, time. You're, you're, you're talking rubbish. But anyway... <laughs> Oh, you should do that's, yeah That's no, my tagline. Gary
2: the, here talking rubbish. The brilliant thing about Outnumbered is, of course, it's improvised uh, by the, that's right, by the children's you've got the kids. side. So. Uh,
1: but the and thing I, is... And I think they may have done that with, with Drop Dead Donkey, because I don't think they would have had time to finish a lot of the script, seeing as how quickly they would have... Particularly the inserts might have been ad-libbed. And Drop the Dead Donkey
2: sort of in a similar vein to... Um, the day to day, and as much as it was a topical yeah. sort of news thing, there was a lot of that sort of thing going on in that era. Um, mm-hmm. Not the nine o'clock news was another show that launched a lot of well-known names that we we yeah. still resonate with today. Hopkins I mean, donkey Smith yeah.
1: had a few of them in there. Did it actually have a donkey in it? I believe there was never a donkey, and it never dropped, and it wasn't oh. dead. Perhaps that'll come back Actually, for a Christmas special
2: in 25 maybe. years. Six, the six series,
1: and it ran from 1990 to 1998. It did take two one-year gaps in its last two seasons.
2: This is going to divide us, and it's my number three. And the reason you I don't. know it's going to divide us is because we've spoken briefly about our opinions on this before. Number three, whatever you think about the next words I say, it did sort of change uh, the way... UK, the UK did comedy, and then uh, the way the US did comedy. It is The Office, the brainchild of Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais. Gary has very mixed feelings about this, but I I, I think you have mixed feelings about it because you didn't um, enjoy it the way you were supposed to.
1: Well, I, I watched The Office like everybody else, but I found it quite cringeworthy. And a lot of it was sort of through my hands, which I know is how Ricky point. wanted it to be seen. Yeah. But therefore, as a comedy, I'm like, eh, shouldn't I be laughing more? Shouldn't I be, shouldn't I be enjoying the programme a bit more? And I just couldn't quite ever resonate myself with that. And, you know, and equally, as, much, as hard as Ricky tried to make you like some of the characters, I just ended up hating a lot of them.
2: But the point with The Office is that it came out of, a, out of a time where the BBC was obsessed with these fly-on-the-wall documentaries that made yeah. stars out of people, uh, like Jeremy Airport and Maureen ca- off of Driving School, and that sort of, yeah. if you remember that era, and Jay MacDonald from The Cruise, who is still around to this day, has a docu-soap. Still- Still cruising,
1: I hear, but that's that's another story. We can't say Um, yes or no on that. No, it's legal matters. Um, And also, I suppose, the thing is on the back of Big Brother, because, of course, that was probably out around the same time, that idea of voyeurism, you know, and wanting to watch what ordinary people do. Ricky really captured that.
2: And the genius of it that that. That a lot of people will or will not have noticed is that because you have it acting as a a documentary filmmaker the way Mm. the characters behave is completely different to the way that they would have behaved if they hadn't known they were on television yeah because what you're doing is you're you're putting people in front of cameras and they're behaving the way they would like to behave if they were on television they are always aware that they're on tv and that's the clever thing about it And Um, I I
1: think one of the the other things that I think that that brought in, and again, the Americans took it and and brought it in with their version of The Office, was this kind of character that you're supposed to hate, but you end up loving. And certainly David Brent has been copied.
2: David Brent's been copied over and over. But the thing about David Brent is you might laugh at him. You might think, what a buffoon. You might even know somebody who reminds you of him. But the Mm. thing is, at the end of the day, he is somebody in a constant state of performance, who is just went wanting to be liked. Yeah. And there is a great scene at the end of the second series, it only ran for two series and the Christmas special, and they've said they'd never do any more, which is completely the yep. right way to go. Thank
1: goodness, yeah, never touch it again.
2: But the thing is, there's a scene at the last, on the, I think the penultimate episode, where he is fired by his two yes. boss. And there's some genuine emotion in there where you realise, and David Brent realises, that his world has fallen apart. But but then he ruins it by
1: standing up in an ostrich costume. That moment is full of pathos. That moment is full of wonderfulness. And then he ruins it by standing up and going, well, I won't be needing this then. And he's wearing an ostrich costume. And the, he has underneath to go
2: out and tell everybody but, in the office. Yeah, that he's- but
1: then it ruined that, that. And that's for me is that for me is Ricky all over. He has wonderful moments of drama or comedy and he just can't fit them together in an easy way, and that, that to me is the whole story of Ricky Gervais's character. He's a great writer, a wonderful empathizer, but just can't nail it a hundred percent for me.
2: Where has because the, the American Office has been a huge success, but it doesn't feel as genuine. I know it's not. The, they've the tur- they've turned it into a more, they've, they've turned, turned it into, into a sitcom. more
1: traditional sitcom. The fly on the wall part has almost gone from what I understand. And, and now they, you know, they've moved away. Obviously, the main star, Steve Carell, has moved on. So they've got people like Catherine Tate in and they've had various guest stars. And But, I, I, you know, I, I see that more as a, a an American comedy piece, just using the name.
2: But so. a lot of the sitcoms that have been made since possibly would not have been made The office not broken. And and the
1: whole idea of of the BBC allowing a writer. I mean, because in these days, I mean, there was only two pints of lager and a packet of crisps on BBC Three that really, again, was like, okay, you're a new and upcoming writer. We don't really know what you're about. Don't forget, Ricky had done one series of The 11 O'Clock Show and he wasn't Mm. particularly well liked on that. You know his character on that was a kind of a David Brent like and he wasn't particularly well liked so it, it was it, it was a real reach for the a real risk for the BBC and the thing is that they they gave
2: him that shot and he has capitalized on it over oh yeah it's one of the few comedies to be sold to countless countries and they've got i think it's probably easier to work out office.
1: which countries don't have a version of the office than which yeah. do uh so.
2: well we have 12 minutes left of the podcast so what i was thinking is we're going to stop part one of this comedy podcast Ooh. and return with another half an hour of our top two.
1: So, should and we quickly recap our, our top five yes. as it is now? So, yeah. mine in in numerical reverse order. At number five, Coupling. At number four, Community. And at number three, Drop the Dead Donkey.
2: And nine. At number five, Porridge. At number four, uh, Richard Wilson's "One Foot in the Grave," and at number three, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant change comedy with the Office. I actually remember sitting out uh, the Christmas special of the Office was on in 2003, and I was in. A living room with my uncle, who's, who I wanted to watch The Office, and he was in the room. He didn't get it at all. It was, and it made me not. Have you ever watched something <clears throat> that you think is funny, and you watch it with somebody who doesn't find it funny, and it just ruins it completely? Yeah, definitely. You and, actually, and, and you actually yeah. sit there going, I don't know if this isn't, is actually funny now, I'm sort of changing my opinion on it.
1: I remember watching, uh, we we'll go back to talking about Friends very briefly, I remember watching some of the season opener of Friends with a good number of people, and one bloke that I used to live with, share a house with, he just didn't get it at all, didn't find it funny, found it puerile, I mean he liked funny, he, he liked puerile humour, but he found Friends just stupid and irrelevant, so, yeah, it's obvious sometimes when you know you're in a room with someone who just doesn't get it, it's quite hard. Let's tease our top two. Okay well, I can tell you that both my top two are British UK comedies, neither of which ha- are still on our televisions at the moment so they are definitely in the classic comedy genre. Uh, that's all I'm telling you.
2: And I can tell you that mine are both British UK- made sitcoms neither of which are on our TV screens. Oh at the
1: moment. are they the same? Who knows? You'll have Everybody to tune in to that. find out. There you are. Join there, us in part what two hope. as we look at
2: our top two comedies of all time. It's Gary and Luke on the Custard Talks Comedy. We'll catch you in part two. Bye.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>